0: This is the Jet Centric Podcast, your home for Winnipeg Jets. Talk, thoughts, and takes. Hey there Jets fans, welcome back to episode 12 of the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, I'm one of your hosts. Um, This episode we have Scott Campbell for 80 minutes of Scott Campbell. It's great stuff. Sit back and enjoy. I'm not going to give you a long introduction of who Scott Campbell is. You probably already know if you're listening to this and if you don't, well, you got 80 minutes to figure it out. So uh, big thanks to Scott for taking the time to do this. Been looking forward to this happening for a long time. Uh, thanks to Roddy for doing the interviews. Uh, he did a great job uh, asking a lot of the fan questions. And to those who submitted questions, thanks for doing that. Kind of uh, neat uh, to be able to have Scott answer some of those for you guys. So anyhow, enjoy the episode. I know I did. And uh, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Uh, welcome to the Jet Centric Podcast. This is episode 12. Uh, this is Roddy, and uh, I have the honor of welcoming uh, somebody that I've tried to get on on a podcast before, uh, five or six million times, but uh, this, is, this is our first one together. So um, I, we have uh, the honor of having Scott Campbell here at NHL Campbell on your Twitter machine. So uh, how are you doing today, Scott?
1: Doing well, Roddy. Thanks uh, for asking, and uh, we're ready to roll here.
0: <laughs> awesome. So I know we've been we've been on Twitter and we've been following each other for a while. Um, but let's let, like I wanted to go back to 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 hockey and you. I just wanted to have uh, you know just a conversation, just just you know find out you know of course being a Canadian kid how how hockey became part of your life and and how that progressed from when we're growing up. And now I know you grew up in Toronto, right?
1: Uh, for six months. I was born there, okay. and, I, hey. uh, and I think the Win- a lot of Winnipeg people would be happy to know if I said that uh, my parents knew enough to get me out of Toronto and into a more sane spot. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was at, moved to North Bay when I was uh, uh, had like six months old, I think. So, and then I uh, spent that time up till I was—that's where I started skating. And uh, we we lived on the lake there, so we had a—I had the, my dad had my uh, a nice uh, outdoor rink. Uh, to skate on even though it was a little cold some days but uh, had that cleared for me all the time and and the uh, probably the coldest rink I ever played in was the one that we started 6 a.m practices in when I was I think five years old or six years old. I moved to Guelph when I was nine and you know basically that Guelph is kind of my hometown because that's where I still have a lot of my best friends and uh, where I played my started playing novice triple-a hockey which is where you get starting to get serious when you're in minor hockey and uh, we took that through uh, Junior B into Guelph, and a little bit of Tier Two Junior A in Guelph, where I was drafted by London.
0: Right. So you started playing with the London Knights at
1: at what age, uh, Scott? Say seventeen. Yeah. 17. So I drafted at sixteen, started playing at seventeen, uh, and uh, that was a yeah. Well, that was fortunate. A lot of pressure that went on with that because I think it was the sixth pick overall in the uh, in the OHL. So uh, their first round pick expected big things and. They didn't get them from me for the first year, for sure. Right. If I, if and then, I, so go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, and then, um, so your experience with the Knights, obviously you're, you're a London Knight through and through, right? So we know that from, from following you on, on Twitter and and you know your allegiances to them. So how, what, was, what was your experience at London?
1: Uh, it was excellent. It was a real fun town to play in. Excellent uh, support. It's not, you know, not as good as it is these days after the Hunters bought them. But for the time, it was very good. Uh, I enjoyed school there. Uh, enjoyed the people. In fact, I moved back to London after hockey at one point. Uh, the, I liked it so much uh, as far as the town went. Uh, we had, I had a terrible first year. Uh, it, you know, that would have been my draft year. Could have been, or could have been my draft year. Uh, back then and if that had happened you know I would have been lucky to be a 7th round pick so it's interesting nowadays now when they got an extra couple of years to, uh, that, that I had when you look back uh, I ended up being a 1st round pick of St. Louis but that, that would not have ha- been even close to that happening so I, that, that, that takes me to something uh, that you know nowadays you wonder about development of players and we have so much information on that but when I look back I go man I'm lucky that I played in that era
0: well for sure for sure. And you know what, you know, and um, especially at that age, right, um, in, in especially the OHL, there's a lot of pressure put on you right, right from the beginning. Right.
1: And then, um,
0: yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, well, no, just the first round. Yeah, being a first round pick and, you know, being the guy that was supposed to be able to, you should come in and be able to play. And it was not a good thing at all. I mean, it was, uh, it was I was terrible. And it, it, uh, there's no doubt about it. I I mean I, you know, I started out with uh, uh, the Toronto Marlies had a line of uh, Napier and Tonelli and Bruce Boudreau, and uh, they I, I started the game and uh, we're, in, we're in my first game in Maple Leaf Gardens, which it was I was an of and they come flying up the ice and I trip on the blue line skating backwards. <laughs> Napier goes in and scores a goal, a nice easy goal, and I, I'm sitting there going head to going to the bench and I had Bill Long as a coach who was really a little hard on uh, young guys and I mean he turned out to be really good for me overall but uh he came down and tapped me on the shoulder and and he told me what number Napier was just in case I didn't know as he flew by me by, <laughs> I was on my ass so
0: you didn't have a chance to see the number right didn't have a chance <laughs> so and then in and then your draft year, so you're, you're drafted obviously ninth overall by St. Louis, and then, and then you're drafted in the WHA by the Houston Aeros first overall. And what, what, what made your decision, or why did you decide to go the WHA route?
1: Well, first of all, the, uh, the Blues owners had given the team back to the NHL, so they had no ownership. Uh, so that's why I went first overall. Houston saw an opportunity. Uh, that they might be able to sign me. And, uh, that was their, that was the WHA, what they were trying to do at the time, right. When they could do things like that. And I was a first round pick. So that would bring them, uh, you know, some credibility, I guess. And, uh, and Houston, uh, flew me The other part was Houston flew me down there and, uh, took me on a four day tour and, uh, spent time in these beautiful, the owners, uh, were very rich and, or one of them was anyway. And, uh, the, uh, showed me just an unbelievable time and it was, it was one of those things where I was just kind of swept away by it all. Um, went back and thought about it, uh, actually didn't actually go back and talk a lot about it, just took some time down there and uh, we talked to St. Louis, well my agent talked to St. Louis and I, I give Emil Francis credit, he offered money out of his own pocket. Who was He was the general manager in St. Louis at the time and I uh, he offered me a significant amount of money just not to sign. He, and he said, we'll work the details out after. So, you know, it was a real nice gesture on his part, but uh, they stepped up and gave me well over half of what I was going to make. And, you know, for a guy making $20 a month, it was a significant amount of money that, uh, and I went back with a certified check in my pocket with my dad, who was down there with me. So,
0: Nice. So you, your time in Houston, how, how, would, you, how would you describe that? like playing for
1: the, for the years, obviously. It was excellent. Uh, We had a terrific time. It was a great sports town. Um, You know, we were, uh, there was a Vic Taylor's name dropper club where the uh, Houston Oilers football NFL team was there. Those guys hung out there. Some of the baseball players, not a lot of them, but we used to go to Astros games. We used to go to, um, you know, it it was one of those things where uh, I met some of the the greats of the time and, and from that era, And just like as a guy that grew up, you know, idolizing these people, it was something else because I'm just 19 turning 20 years old going in there. And uh, it, it was just a great feeling. It was also something that really meant a lot to me was I've had asthma since I was six months old. And it was a I did not have to use the asthma spray that I basically carried with me through most of my life in Houston because of the weather. So. There were a lot of nice things. Christmas Day, my mother and my uh, brother were down with me and we're sitting around the pool, you know, and it's uh, 85 degrees and the <laughs> whirlpool and uh, it was all, it was just, it was really one really terrific story. It, it was unfortunate that uh, the way it turned out because Houston would have been, uh, you know, one heck of a city. I, I think they should get an NHL team and they'd, they'd be a heck of a franchise.
0: So what, what was the market like, like being being in Houston in the 70s, obviously, what were the main challenges or what was it like being a hockey player in Houston at that time?
1: Well, one of the things you didn't you didn't have to worry about being really noticed a whole lot. <laughs> uh, and, it, and, and, that, and that was fine by me. I had no problem with that. Like there were there were certain places that we went that people would know who you were. And, uh, you know, I, we weren't out there for that. I was, you know, a kid that I wanted to go out and have a good time, too, along with, you know, trying to be responsible as far as your, you know, the playing goes. But, uh, and it was a city that you could do that in. And, you know, it was, uh, I mean, I met Billy Gibbons and ZZ Top and um, Donnie Laraway was a good friend of theirs. And so I remember going out with Donnie and Billy Gibbons. And, I mean, he, you know, as a 20-year-old uh, going through that, it's, it was just amazing. Uh, the, the, when I look back on it, it was, uh, those, those times meant more than, you know, being noticed in a town or I, I really couldn't care less about that. You know, as far right. as, uh, at th- that point, I still, I, I never have really cared about that, but, uh, I know you got a lot more scrutiny in other towns and it, it certainly gets a lot worse. I mean, there's the good and the bad always, right. In every city that you go to. So I, I took the best of what Houston had. And it was, uh, it was just a really enjoyable experience. I, I had actually, i said, uh, When we were leaving, when we knew we were leaving, uh, that that just off the one year there, I could have seen that being a place that I would have easily retired to. Right.
0: So then, fast forward next season, uh, you're with the Winnipeg Jets. So, what what was (laughs) what was it like entering entering the arena for the first time and meeting, you know, the Hall of Famers that you're gonna you're gonna play with there? Well,
1: actually, the the Hall of Famers were uh, gone other than Bobby Uh, well two of them anyway if you're talking about Ulf uh Ulfie and uh, Anders um they were they they went to New York that's why that was one of the big reasons that Michael Gabadi the owner stepped up and 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 took uh, and bought all the Houston players once we went into uh, I don't know whatever it's called it it wasn't bankruptcy but there was some part whatever towards bankruptcy in, in in Houston um and and they purchased all the player contracts uh they, I, Bobby, Bobby was very welcoming, and uh, it, it was a—I was in awe uh, at the time. I mean, it was a—you uh, know—it's Bobby Hull, and I'm again, 20 years old. I, I, probably more so than anybody that I saw in Houston, uh, he was the guy that that welcomed me in, uh, and he was the one. If you're mentioning Hall of Famers, but the rest of the team was welcoming too in, in a sense, but you, you have to admit, like, we were very, very competitive. And I only played uh-huh. the one year against Houston, or against uh, uh, Winnipeg. Uh, but the other guys on our team, like Terry Ruskowski, uh, Lukowicz, Richie Preston, they had played multiple years against, uh, and, and had, had quite a war- rivalry going. Even the one year I had a, that I played against Winnipeg, uh, I, we beat them in the season series 6-5 and uh so the games were like they 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 didn't smoke us like they smoked everybody else um and and they were they were an awesome team mind you they were you know an, an absolutely terrific team but uh, i don't know if we were able to get under their skin enough or we were able just to we got lucky or pdo <laughs> at that point but uh, <laughs> nobody was tracking uh ha- happened in our favor favor but uh it, it worked for us anyway and uh and we we ran into trouble in Houston because we there was no farm system. We had two guys at different in two different teams, and, and that was the disappointing part of Houston was that at the end of the year, we had to call up a guy that was playing in the North Bay Ontario Industrial League to fit, <laughs> fit into our lineup. Now he had played in the WHA before. His name was Kiki Morton. was a terrific personality, uh, but you know he, he he really didn't belong when you were when you're d- digging that deep. Uh, you knew you're going to be in trouble. And we were, while well, we were in the playoffs, we didn't last too long with it, but back to Winnipeg, it was a, uh, it was a good experience going in there, but it was a, kind of a, it wasn't standoffish. It was, there was respect on both sides, but you, you had to get to know each other. Right. And so when you, you, I think your question was when I first walked in there and I've gone a lot farther than that. So I'll let you ask. <laughs> <other one. laughs>
0: so, what was what was the culture shock like? Now I know you grew up in 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 Guelph and you know you you played the one year in in Houston. Coming to Winnipeg, what were the major challenges? And we we all know that you had you had the asthma. So was that a was that affected right away when you when you came? Like I know, uh, not at the beginning of the season, but during the middle of the season, did was was it very noticeable the difference of, of being in Winnipeg and and having to live and
1: play here? The the first year I got through it okay but i i had to start using my breath a lot, my breather again right. um so that but but it didn't get to a point where it, it was under control and it was only maybe one buff a day kind of thing and, and that was that really was still really good for for me and we we had a terrific year uh, that, that first year i remember though it was 40 below for a lot of three months and it was like one of the worst uh, winters and I don't know if it was 40 years I can't remember the exact number but I remember people don't I remember minus 90 below people quoting us uh wind chill <laughs> wind chill factor right and I, I do remember going outside and I wasn't the only one so me being asthmatic didn't really, obviously that would affect me, but I think everybody went out and you're just going, <laughs> trying to grab your breath. So
0: <laughs> it, it does, it does was, take <laughs> your breath away, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah so, it, it, so that, but that it didn't affect my play that year, didn't have any effect on that part of it. Uh, I was I was very fortunate and, and obviously that year turned out very well for us too, so.
0: Now, um, when you guys, when you found out when you found out that you're, you, you know, the Jets were going to enter the NHL, and you were one of the the players that that um, were protected or, or became part of part of the team, how did how did that feel to you? Like, what was that moment like? Finding out that you're you're going to play in the NHL. Well,
1: well pride uh, and shock, because uh, because I was staying in Winnipeg, but uh, it basically it was the culmination. Uh, let's just just go to part about the NHL. Uh, my, my agent had assured me that within two years, when I signed WHA, one of the things I didn't tap on into when you asked me earlier about signing that with Houston over St. Louis was that the WHA would definitely be part of the NHL or I would be back with St. Louis within two years. He was absolutely sure of that. Now he had guys like Larry Robinson at the time, and he, like he was the second biggest agent next to Alan Eagleson. Uh, Norm Kaplan oh, was his name, a, a tremendous guy, and he died at 43 years of age. So you know, uh, but he was a terrific man as, as well as an agent. But um, he, yeah, he he knew, and he had nailed it obviously because it was two years in that uh, that it happened, and it almost happened after the year in Houston actually. So and that that got broken up at the last minute. So. He, he had put that in there. So I was expecting it, and, and, but it's, it, it was nice to be able to move on. I enjoyed the WHA, though. I mean, it was, you know, it, it wasn't, it, you're playing pro hockey, and uh, you're a young guy, and you're playing uh, against a lot of, I mean, uh, the house had left uh, Houston. That's the, year, the, the summer that I was signed. The house had left to go to Hartford. That's why they were able to sign me. I didn't get all right. their money but I got most of it they <laughs> 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 That's I to lie for you but they had uh, but I got to play against Gordy I got to meet Gordy and Mark and Marty before uh, before I they we even played against each other because of the connection with Houston and they were still living down there partially right they didn't move straight away right. to Hartford but uh, they were uh, uh, so you got to play against like Gordy how was my hero growing up so I got to I got to play that, that that took away a lot of the oh boy I'm not in the NHL thing, Gordy Hall I'm playing with Bobby Hall I'm playing with you know with these other excellent hockey players out on different clubs that are that uh, I, I had looked up to that I, I you know it, it, it was like the NHL to me and you know quite frankly the the Winnipeg club the, uh, that played in the, the year before I got there and that last club would have been very good in the NHL so uh, right so
0: that was my next question so if if the team could have stayed together how do you think they they would have competed in
1: in the NHL so if we're talking about the so so if we're talking about the last club that which is the one I know in Winnipeg right that I played with uh the 78 79 Africa Cup champs we were rated there was a uh, I don't remember if it was hockey news or I, I I I forget who had had Done this poll of uh, NHL scouts that were that followed the WHA closely. They were they were and there were a lot of them at every game. Uh, I can tell you that for a fact for the two years I played there, uh, because they knew what was happening. It was going to happen, right? They knew the merger was going to happen. So we were scouted heavily by the NHL, and uh, they had rated us fifth or sixth. In, in in a poll of a bunch of those scouts, and I don't remember how many, I don't remember the sample size, etc. But and and when I look at it, and I I remember at the time seeing that, and I'm going, yeah, they have got this right because of the clubs that were in there at that time. So that that puts you in pretty good stead. That tells you what that club. I mean that that hockey club had uh, Terry Ruskowski goes to Chicago, and he becomes he's their captain. Ken right. Nielsen goes to Atlanta. You know he scores 120 points. Rich Preston goes to Chicago. Becomes plays with Ruskowski, Has the, I I don't remember how many points uh, Richie got, but you know a very effective player. We lost some really really good hockey players, and uh, you know for the privilege of playing in the NHL, and uh, that that was the price they made you play. They, they were vindictive owners that uh, owners were mad that the WHA made, uh, made them pay a fair salary to hockey players because they right. were stiff the NHL players up to that point.
0: And yeah. Yeah. Do you attribute that? Like that's, that's the big thing, right? So the WHA obviously lured, lured players with money and, and, you know, amassed a lot of talent. And do you think there was a, a fair bit of resentment towards all those clubs that, that were, that were soaked up by the NHL? Oh,
1: absolutely.
0: From, from the ownership point of view. Yeah, so they they yeah. made it impossible for them to compete.
1: Basically, well, they did. Right? They, they did, except they forgot about one thing,
0: Gretzky. Yeah, Gretzky. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so and, did and, the Jets. You know, and that you know, that 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 brings up you know, I mean, Gretzky came very close to playing in uh, Winnipeg. So,
0: right.
1: Uh, that that was a uh, that's another story that uh, you know the fans from that time can sit there and, and kind of gnaw on what about because that was so <laughs> close to happening. Uh, that uh, if Rudy Pellis hadn't told Michael Gabbadi, no, he won't, he's too small or, and he won't be able to, to hold up to the NHL, uh, <laughs> that uh, the Winnipeg Jets would have had him because Gabbadi was ready to make the deal.
0: And the infamous backgammon game that they talk about, right?
1: Well, that was, yeah, it wasn't actually the backgammon game, but from, <laughs> from my understanding, that, 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 that's, <laughs> become, that's become folklore. But, uh, yeah. but urban you know, legend they call it right yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> but you no know, there, there there's this has been well written by a, a few people have, that've have detailed it well and i've talked to michael michael about it myself just recently so there there is definitely not a uh, uh, the, the, the way it went down though <laughs> it was it was happening if Rudy and and you know Michael still regrets that he had to, that he listened to uh, to Rudy Rudy that day, but he's your general manager now. Rudy Pills was fired shortly thereafter. For- All right, yeah. and and John Ferguson was brought in, and, and honestly, I mean, I have nothing against Rudy. Uh, then he tried to trade me before that, <laughs> 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 uh, but you know, I, I mean, rest in peace, Rudy. I'm just kidding. I mean, these are I'm these are just uh, old rememberings and. Uh, but he did. He did try to trade me to Edmonton uh, during the, within the first couple of months that I was there. So, uh, and Michael Gavatti nixed that deal. So there's a whole lot of stuff that you're bringing up now, Roddy. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I'm just trying to 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 you know. Everybody knows you. Uh, like all our listeners know you basically as 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 you know the most interactive guy on Twitter when it comes to to Jets and you know that's where I know you from and. You know, going back through the history and knowing about your history, you know, it's it's, it's you know, it's a good first-hand accounting of you know very historic time, you know, for us here in Winnipeg for sure, and, and to look back and reflect on it, right? So you're you're part of a very historic time in, in Winnipeg hockey history, and you know, I know that when you first followed me on Twitter in 2011, was it? When did you join Twitter? 13, about?
1: 2013, January, 2013. January 2013.
0: I know that when when you followed me, I saw your your picture and I said, that can't be. And, uh, you know, I had to confirm, right? And, um, you know, I can honestly say that on Twitter, you're the most interactive NHL personality or, you know, former player on Twitter. And, you know, with you being kind of, you know, in the media for the last two seasons, um, you know, it's a breath of fresh air for all of us, right? And we kind of just want to know a little bit more about you and, and see the human side of it. Like that's that's basically it. Now I know, I know. Um, you know, our experience together has been has been good, and you know, we've created a bond. And I think that's the beauty of of being on Twitter and being a Jets fan is, I think there's a certain camaraderie with within Jets Twitter that you can't, you know, you really can't get anywhere else, right? So you're you're a very big part of that. And you know, talking to you about your experience in the NHL just just Paints a paints more of a picture for those of us who don't know,
1: right? Oh, absolutely! I I get that hundred percent. And Twitter has been good to me because I have not. I would never have met so many of you, uh, and I can actually say that, you know, in the physical sense, because that happened out at the winter the winter classic, as you know, or the winter classic, the Heritage Classic, <laughs> yeah. as you, as you know but uh, right. uh as you know well but uh, you know th- and that th- so it's it's been a great thing for me i mean sometimes i'm on twitter too much i know that <laughs> so uh th- th- that that th- and, and not everybody is accommodating by the way because i pretty much follow everybody that's a, that i know is a jets fan i will follow uh, and and I'll, i mean you know what as far as polit- it's like the politics in the u.s and a lot of things it's it's pretty close on a lot of uh, a, a lot of topics. Come out and they are 55-45 or the most sixty, forty. Uh, there, there's no. I'm not living in some tunnel, uh, you know, where everything everybody agrees with me. So, but but I enjoy that because I do want to know. I've always wanted to know what all the fans think, not just the people that I you know like and agree with. So, uh, although some of them are a little abrasive. But, uh, <laughs> But you know what? If you want to be on Twitter, you better be tough,
0: right? Absolutely, a lot of, a lot of, lot of keyboard warriors out there, or oh, iPhone warriors. <laughs> so, after hockey, now, and I know you, that last, that first season in the NHL, you you played most of the season, right? So, you played sixty-three games, I think, that year, or sixty-some odd games that year.
1: I don't remember. I don't remember the number, but yeah, I, but 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 for for how it turned out after, I played a lot of games for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what you know? So what is So obviously the asthma progressed, and and you couldn't you you couldn't um, exist in in in, in Winnipeg in, in the capacity that you were in. Do you, do you, do you think the asthma wouldn't have gotten worse if if you weren't in Winnipeg, or is that something that you bemoan or have regrets about? No, I don't back. have
1: no. Oh, I have no regrets about, but uh, you know, I, because I, that, that I was told I don't have any regrets because I was told when I was like nine years old that I would not be able to ever play hockey at a high level by my doctor, right? So, uh, and it, for a good reason, right? I mean, if you're if you're having you starting to take medication when you're really young, you're you're probably not going to be able to survive that. And that. Now we're talking not nowadays though. We're talking back in the nineteen so i mean sixties right when i when this happened, so you know when the, I was born in fifty seven so at nine I'm sitting there at sixty six uh, in nineteen sixty six hearing this this is a it's a whole different scenario nowadays where we're, the medication isn't even close to what obviously what what we are talking now, so I don't have any regrets on that i I got three years i'm actually happy for the time that I had uh, at very fortunate when I look back on it now. Uh, there's no regrets at all. Uh, Winnipeg could have been, it could have happened in St. Louis, it could have happened anywhere. I did think a change of scenery might help me. I thought it was the last, last gasp effort, and I did ask for a trade from Winnipeg after the second year when it got so bad. Uh, I thought, I've, just, I've got one shot left, and you know, St. Louis didn't get me down there, and the doctors thought everything was going to be fine, but uh, you know, to make a long story short, it just didn't work, and uh, so you know the, the, the that ended. But uh, it wasn't easy at the time. It's a lot easier to sit back and look back now. and uh, We battled away and went went ahead. There's a lot of worse things uh, that can happen to you than that, right? And I, I did have yeah. more, a little more than a cup of coffee there, but uh, and and I got a big Afco cup ring, and uh, I've met a lot of good people since then because of it. So,
0: for sure. And then you know when you look at it you 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 beat a lot of bonds just to just to play when you were a kid and and just to even you know have a taste of it so
1: yeah for uh, sure i you don't know any better right when you when you're young nobody's going to tell you what you can and can't do so I'm sorry. Uh, you, you just you just i just went ahead and you know and that's where it ended so
0: now did you always have a, a place in your heart or in in your mind uh for for Winnipeg so you know, we know you as a staunch Winnipeg Jets fan and, and an expert on the team, and you know an alumni. When you when you left hockey, did you always stay connected to the Jets and Winnipeg?
1: Well, that's a really good question because I, the, the funny thing was, I I tried for I was with St. Louis at the end, played just a few games for them after I was traded, and and uh, and re- then re- had retire, and I ended up. Uh, trying to come back for a couple years with them. And at that point I, it, it just wasn't working for me. And uh, so I, I, I never said I was retiring, but they dropped me off their list. So I ran into John Ferguson, who was general manager still at that point uh, with the jets uh, at a racetrack in Toronto and uh, naturally. And he, he ended <laughs> up, uh, he ended up sitting me down for quite a while and, talking me into making one last shot at it. And I, uh, I thought, you know what? I really, it was one of those things I got to, I got to move on. And I was already mostly moved on. I thought, no, I'm going to take one more shot at it. So I ended up saying, yeah, I agreed that I'd come to training camp and there was no, he wasn't, didn't sign me to a contract or anything that we, I'd give it a shot and come to camp and see how things worked out. And I, I believe Fergie was a very fair guy. So, I was more than happy to, I guess that was a PTO at the time. And, uh, we went, ended up, uh, I started working out, started going ahead and then I'm driving along the 401, which is a four lane highway in Ontario. And a guy sideswipes me and twisted my back and neck and all this stuff. And I ended up, uh, I had to try, I I thought, you know, I, I gave it a month and, but at that point, it was one of those ones. There's no way there, there were just too many things against this. And it was almost like there was a sign from above. Don't, don't do it. Right. So I don't, uh, I, I ended up having to call him and say, no, I know Barry long was the coach then because I talked to Barry, I played with Barry in in Winnipeg. So uh, I was looking forward to, you know, if I could make it back, he was the perfect guy to play for as a coach. Um, uh, And, and, and Fergie as a GM, who I uh, had a ton of respect for and, uh, love for so it was a uh, it would it would have been a perfect situation so there was a connection to winnipeg again yes even after st louis happened and then um it was one of those ones because i, I was coming back to camp you're you're still you got to remember my if I, i've got one year in houston three years in winnipeg and a few games in st louis as it turns out and so where's your favorite team it's the ones you All spend right. the most time with the guys it's the guys that you played with the fans that you played in front of most right so and uh that that so that's a it was just a natural fit for winnipeg if i had gone on and played 10 more years for some other team i may not be saying the same thing but with my capsule career um it, it's just a natural it was i guess it was just a natural fit i didn't really think of it i was just started cheering for i was cheering for winnipeg so
0: right <laughs> I'll, so I'll, then you were so, for the rest of the until until they left in 96, you, you were a Jets fan, was that
1: yeah? But I, on? yes, but I didn't see a lot of games, quite frankly. So, it was it was passive cheering, uh, I guess uh, you know, you wanted to see them do well. Uh, I'd chirp, you know, guys would chirp me, and I'd chirp because I they always chirp me as a Jet friends or whatever, <laughs> all my friends because my friends are the ones that did it most uh they would uh chirp me as a jet so I, I mean that that would kept alive but but it was more standings following it on highlights and you, you know back then you're not seeing a ton of games obviously not when i was living in ontario so um it, so it you know it, it, it didn't turn into a passionate thing until the jets got back to winnipeg
0: so in between just leaving and then just got back to Winnipeg were you still connected in the in the hockey world did you did you do anything in hockey past past playing or
1: no I was worse? no well, I, I mean I started coaching uh, in the 90s uh, I started with minor hockey and coached through to uh, tier two junior A and so I had and, and I had some contact with guys like uh, that, that there were guys I knew from Guelph George Mcphee. Uh, through the 90s, I, had, I, I ran into him a few times, and we talked on the phone, and we had talked about scouting and uh, that kind of thing, but I was so into, um, I was so into the, coaching was the next best thing to playing to me when I got there, and, and teaching kids was, I, I really enjoyed, and then it got a little more competitive at the tier two junior A level, and, uh, but it was the closest thing to playing that you could get, so sitting up in a, in the stands, you know, watching people do stuff just didn't appeal to me. And that, you know, back then, that would have been my chance to get into scouting, which, uh, you know, looking back, I guess nowadays it would have been better than, uh, that it might've worked out okay. But back then there was a certain passion that I had that, uh, that I, it, there was nothing better than sit down behind the bench and, uh, and, you know, being right in the game and being able to yell at refs like I did when I was a player. So
0: flash forward to 2011. When when the the announcements made that that the Jets are coming back, what what did you feel like? Did you did you feel a sense of pride that that Winnipeg was getting a, a team back, or what what drew you back to to the Winnipeg Jets?
1: Yeah, I, oh, absolutely, I did. I, I I just thought they deserved it for so long. I mean, it it, it was talked about, even though it wasn't uh, in the media in my area. It was talked about a lot from my, amongst my friends, family, in particular, uh, that that winnipeg deserved the team you know and it, it was a it was a steady fairly steady topic and i can remember getting messages on facebook from my family that it was like when you're when they were when it was announced the day it was announced uh, i remember getting these messages your jets are back scott congratulations so <laughs> that i mean that tells you the story i can go on about it but that kind of tells you the story of where the, the, where our hearts were right as far as that goes and they weren't i mean a lot of my family are maple leaf fans so they were uh, they, they were but they they knew where my heart had been i guess and uh, and i don't know i didn't deserve any congratulations at all i thought i thought that kind of weird but you know what i knew I, I i got the idea what they meant by it so yeah it was it was a good time i you know i've i've had various things to say about you know the uh you know the Jets, and and at times have been critical of everybody right through to unfortunately Mark <laughs> Chipman, who. Uh, but at, when 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 Mark Chipman brought that team back, it was uh, I mean he he was a, I don't want to say a god because that's a little bit much, but you know he was certainly uh, probably the 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 top person on that day that I could find anywhere in the world. So.
0: Yeah, obviously, you know the civic pride—being a Winnipegger, being a born and raised Jets fan—and and seeing the team leave and then and then having the announcement that they're coming back is is, is kind of like, yeah, we're we're, we're legitimate again, kind of, you know. Yeah, for he, sure. Give you that, sense of pride. And I can see, um, well, yeah, go ahead. You're saying, Scott?
1: Oh no, I was just going to say I I can see that, Roddy. Right? I get that one hundred percent. I mean. The, uh, the, I found the Winnipeg people being so down to earth and so, um, uh, fr- I mean, so friendly. I mean, we were, I, I, we just had a terrific relationship with so many people that fan, like fans that were off the grid that, uh, and we didn't have any Twitter, we didn't have anything like that those days. But I ran into them in so many places and felt so welcomed. Um, okay. it, that that's what it, that, that that part of it was part of it too because so for even for me because i knew the team or the city deserved better and i knew those people that i had met and li- very likely their children uh deserved a lot better right and deserved another shot at this so uh that, it was so rewarding for that and then i was so happy to see the reaction too from winnipeg people and that that was another big part of uh i mean i, I saw i saw i mean hockey night in canada showed us as uh, start with but uh, it, it just and then it went on from there as I got into social media and then got back and as we moved forward into Twitter and uh, even even two years so 2013 was two years after they came back uh, people were still so very grateful for it as was I uh, I don't think the Fair. criticism really started until other than from a few outlets uh, <laughs> really, really started uh, until I think they I, I think most people gave them. Uh, over two years uh, of of you know gifts of do whatever you want, we're so happy to have you back.
0: For sure. So when okay, so you you joined Twitter. When did you start blogging and writing?
1: Oh, I I, I know Mitch was on me about two months after meeting me, uh, which he would it would have been the first half of 2013 when I started. I found the Jets. Twitter thing because I didn't find the Jets original right away. It was one of those things I stumbled upon somebody and then uh, I think somehow I got hold of and then there was Mitch involved. I don't remember who all the first people were, but I remember Mitch and, and Patrick Williams. Uh, um, he was one of the guys that kept me going when I was sitting there going, "Oh shoot, I don't I don't know anybody on this site." And <laughs> three or four people I know of the Jets and somehow he and I had connected. And he kept pumping my tires, and uh, th- that happened for a couple of years. Because I, I used to take him going every time I thought about just saying, "Now the hell with this crap," uh, he'd get me another 50 followers. So it'd be one of those ones where, um, you know, I, it, it built up. So I, I don't remember exactly. I think that probably a year and a half after. I don't remember the exact date. I Winnipeg Hockey Talk was the where I wrote first for uh, Mitch, and uh, and I started. He, he wanted me to do something uh, every week at the start. And I said, well, I'll try once a month. And I did that for a year. And so I think uh, maybe more, more than a year, but uh, I, I know the last, the, the last year that I was with there, I was probably wrote five out of the 12 months or 10 months that were there. I kind of lost the, um, not the passion, just whatever it was going on at the time. I'm going, okay, this is what I got time for. And then, we uh, somehow, the free Press saw the uh, one of my columns, I guess, and uh, I know I got some help from, uh, from, from uh, someone there at the Free Press pointing Steve Lyons towards that uh, towards the column, and uh, he got hold of me through Mitch, so that's where the uh, the writing started with the Free Press. so that I, I, was two and a half seasons, I guess with, with the Free Press, so we were par- talking about January back uh, two and a half seasons ago where I started with them. So there probably wasn't a whole lot, a lot of time. I may have exaggerated on how much time I I wrote for Winnipeg aggie Doc there. But
0: you've become you've become one of the foremost, um, you know, followed. You're a must-follow for Jets fans for sure. And just just the way that you analyze the game and analyze what's happening on the ice, and your perspective brings brings a lot of uh, not just not just credibility, but it it brings a lot of knowledge and and assessment with it too. So. Um, Just the way that you interact with people as well is a very, you know, I kind of think of you as a hybrid media personality, celebrity, and just a regular fan. Right. And um, I think that's what's the most refreshing about, about you on Twitter is, is a natural interaction and how genuine you are. And it came through and it comes through when you write, which is why people are, I think, drawn to, to the way you, you write about the Jets. Um, What was your experience and how did you enjoy writing
1: for the Free Press? Well, thank you for that kind <laughs> lead-up, uh, and uh, I think you might have used a couple of words there a little bit too high for <laughs> on me uh, or for me, but uh, I will appreciate that anyway, Roddy. Uh, what was my experience there? Um, it, well, it was excellent. I mean, overall, it was a uh, it was something. It was so out of the blue that. Uh, it's hard to describe because when he, when it started, it actually started and Steve said, uh, Steve Lyons, the sports editor, uh, got hold of, uh, when, when Mitch, and he had put Mitch and I or put Steve and Mitch had put Steve and I together, he had said uh, he wanted to meet me for a cup of coffee and, and talk about writing for the free press and I started laughing when I saw that and I said, so I sent back uh, an email that, well, that uh, probably won't work since I've been Ontario right now unless you want to pay for my flight out there but uh and and he he's oh I didn't realize that and I said no I understand and I said I, you, I understand you're looking for somebody local and uh but I really appreciate the offer and I left it at that and he said so he sent back well let me think about it for a while and, and then but I had told so I totally forgot about it for a few weeks and then he said and then all of a sudden I got an email from him that said Would you still be interested in writing for us? Uh, And I thought,
0: "Mm, yeah, sure, why
1: not, right? I did think about it, but I thought, because I I hadn't been writing a lot for the thing. I I really wasn't sure I wanted to do it, but he said, let's just try it for six months. And that was uh, like in late December. And I said, okay, sure, let's start up. He said, start up 1st of January and let's give it a shot. So when I got into it, I I did start really enjoying it. I didn't enjoy the way that uh, I had to condemn People, because if I was going to write, I did the same thing at uh, Winnipeg Hockey Talk. If I'm going to write anything, it's going to be honest. I'm not going to BS around it. So uh, I didn't really enjoy some of the things that I had to say about some of the players or the coach or, you know, I didn't say a whole lot about the GM because I really wasn't sure about him, but. I didn't think uh, that uh, there there was some, certainly some underperforming going on when I got into this. Right, for sure the first year, for sure that first six or first no, it wasn't six months; it was about three months, right, because they didn't get to the playoffs. So, or close. Um, so that 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 little experience there uh, kind of thought, okay, yeah, I kind of got a little gung ho on it, and and so when they offered to start up again the following fall, uh, again we went through another kind of a tough year so I had you know I, I said you know I had to say some things that I really didn't I don't it didn't enjoy saying those things right. but the fact was I looked back on it and go I, I wasn't, couldn't do it any other way so when I looked at it overall I was happy with what I did and I and stand by with what I said and um it's one of those things that it's just because I played I guess you know you got a feeling somebody wrote shit about me at one point point. It wasn't <laughs> you know I didn't appreciate it right so uh, you know it, it, so it's a it was a real turn to be sitting there doing that to other people right so I tried to be fair though when I did it and I you know I tried to back it up with uh, you know if I said something was terrible I tried to back it up with some analysis and and you know some numbers at times when they that, that, that they're available You've got to, uh, you know, th- th- I felt pretty confident in everything that I was saying because it wasn't just what I was seeing. It was also numbers were backing up what I was right. saying. So the people, can, the people can get mad at numbers, uh, but, and they can get mad at, they, so if they're going to call me a dummy, they have to say, okay, you don't know what you're talking about hockey wise and the numbers are bullshit. And uh, so I felt pretty confident that anybody wants to say that, then we'll, you
0: know go at it. And I think that's why you lend a lot of credibility because you play the game, you played in the NHL, and then you you respect the numbers too. And it's not just uh, it's not just um, an old school way of thinking. And I think that's why what's refreshing about you, Scott, is is you take everything into account and you actually analyze the game for for both sides of it through through statistics and what your eye test tells you too. And you know I always say that stats. Stats support the eye test that I see, right? So, and you convey that in a, in a way that you know comes comes through every time you, you speak about it. So, um, I know that's why I connect with you. That's why a lot of lot of lot of Jets fans who uh, you know want to want to look at a fresh way of looking at hockey, not just not just the old way of looking at hockey, or gravitate to you as as someone that that they can that they can look to and and get. Get trusted information from, right? So um just want to pay you a compliment. I like to pump your tires there, Scott, because I no <laughs> thank
1: thanks very much. i I won't get my head have to, have to go upstairs, But okay. You just keep doing it, right? Keep rolling.
0: But you know I love you anyway, Scotty. So
1: Right I love you too,
0: man. Um so what do you think? You know, this last year was kind of like um the pinnacle of of every Jets Jets fans, um, you know, wanting, want like we've been waiting a long time for what happened last year. What what is your overall assessment of what the team accomplished last year? Uh, let's just let's just just start with that. How, do, how how do you think the Jets did, and and what what's your assessment of of how how it all played out last year?
1: Uh, well, I. Uh... They've, there's a lot of you can go here. I mean, they they played. Uh, they, they I mean, they they probably they exceeded my ex- expectations a little bit. Certainly, they exceeded my expectations at, from the start of the year a lot. Now, I did come out and make some silly statement uh, to start in the free press that I, I didn't. It was basically guaranteeing that they're going to make the playoffs, right? Which is just crazy. <laughs> I said they definitely they were definitely going to make the playoffs. Like. I had a crystal ball, and I knew more than everybody else. But I did I did feel that strongly about it because I, I thought between – at that point, when looking back, I thought between Hellebuck and Mason, they were going to find one of those two on every given night. They were going to find enough to make sure there was good goaltending all year long. I didn't know which way it would go. Mm-hmm. I still believed in Hellebuck, but I thought Mason would certainly – be uh, much better than he was, but there obviously a lot of things came into play there. But hell about coming? So, so that turned out right, but I said make the playoffs. I didn't I didn't talk about running uh, through three series, right or running through two, th- two series and, and and getting into a third one. It was a uh, so, so that came as a bit of a surprise uh, if I look it back to the start of the season. by the time they got to the playoffs, nothing was really going to surprise me. The only surprise I got was when they lost to Vegas right? because the, uh, it, it actually cost me a trip because I was coming out to uh, the playoffs. I thought I, I'm going to go to, I wanted to go as late as I could. And I thought, okay, they're going to easily beat Minnesota. They're going to easily. And then I thought they're, they're going to beat Nashville. I just, I know it went seven games. So it's just a fluky call. I get that part. Right. But I just thought they were, going to, they were a better team than Nashville. I, I didn't, I believed, I just had Rennie on my head as not gonna be able to do it for uh-huh. him and Hellebuck was gonna outplay him. Uh, of course, I thought Hellebuck was gonna be as good as Fleury and Winnipeg was gonna be better in, uh, in, against Vegas, so I was wrong because I, I gambled on that third series too. So I eventually came up wrong, but you know what? They, they, were, they, they made me predict things properly for up to that point. So I I, I got to say they were they did everything that I expected of them. I'm not I'm not disappointed when you run into a goaltender the way Fleury uh, played. He was he was just lights out, right? That's going to happen. And so, so when I look back at it, this this season went better than what anybody should have expected, as far as I'm concerned, right? Certainly at the start of the year, and it went. As well as I, I mean, the, people could be disappointed, but I can't see anybody pointing any fingers legitimately, anyway, at anyone uh, in that on that uh, roster because they they gave it what they had could. Uh, they looked maybe a little bit tired, a little bit zapped from the Nashville series, but that's no excuse. That's the playoffs. I I so I don't I don't buy that as an excuse. Uh, I do believe that uh, th- that they're gonna they've learned a lot from that though. They they've had a good run. I think those younger guys and particularly guys like healers are you know'll take a lot from that liney will take a lot from that uh, and and say okay you know what well, here's what I need to do uh, and and that's going to benefit there's a whole lot of other guys too that uh, lesser players but those two guys I think in particular are guys that could have you know moved their game up uh, well particularly healers with his uh, with his lack of goals but um, that it's it's one of those ones that I don't want to take a shot at him. because I love player but uh, you know he obviously just had a tough go with it and he's got the he's got they all got things to learn but uh it, it's a group that's ready to move forward i believe and uh, despite the loss of stastny uh you know the, the, they were still a top five club when they when, when they when they acquired them so i don't have a lot of worries about that and i'm sure shovel Dayoff will be more than happy to uh put something into the lineup for this year if
0: needed so what do you think their biggest challenge is for the for the upcoming season
1: Uh, Well, the upcoming season is probably their second-line center as far as I'm concerned. Uh, It's a – you know, uh, Brian Little's not it. Uh, I love Little. I've been a huge fan of him over the years. He's done so many good things. When when things were terrible, he did so many of the great things for the Jets to keep them in hockey games and make them respectable. And so now you've got him, though, receding into a – a third line spot, uh, maybe, maybe fourth line spot, because I think Lowry, I think a lot of Adam Lowry. So I just don't find that uh, little, little can do that. And there's not sure that he can do that. I hope he has a rejuvenated year uh, right up front because I'm a big fan of his, and but I'm very skeptical that I'm very skeptical that he can do.
0: it. So last year to me was the kind of like a, an outlier for, for Brian Little. I don't know it's it's nothing that, that that we've seen in previous years before right and I had always I I love his game and and, and I love I love um, what he's done for the jets up until last year I think last year to me is a combination of a lot of things but do you think that he suffers a lot because he's not playing with Blake Wheeler do you think that's the biggest thing or do you think that that has no factor on on on
1: Oh, I think Blake Wheeler makes everybody better. Yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 so yeah, I, yes, I do. But but, but, Little was – I, I was a little concerned about Little the previous year, not just last year. The pre, the last half of the previous year, yeah. I thought his play had deteriorated a little bit. And it, it was discerning because, you know, he's getting older. He's taken a lot of – he was injured there twice, right, back-to-back back within, a, you know, not a few months, but – a number of months but you know just got better come back in get hurt again and then really never got back to form and then he'd never come back this year so you're talking about a year and a half to me almost, all right where where his play hasn't been where i thought it were anywhere close to where the you know the top second certainly a top second line center because he was our number one for so long but uh he, you know his play isn't there i you know what it, it's one of those things i almost feel the same way as when i wrote I feel worse actually than when I wrote something bad about a player because I love little so much as far as mm-hmm. his playing goes and what he's done for this organization. But, and I, I hope I'm wrong. And I, I, you know, I've been wrong before and I hope this is one of those cases that I really, really hope that you're right. And I'm wrong on this because, uh, if it didn't go back a year and a half, I, I would probably have jumped in quicker and agreed with you on it. But, uh, that, for me, it did anyway. And it's, when you see that, you hope there, it, it can happen, and you know, let's hope it does.
0: Do you think Jack Rosovics ready
1: as, as center second line? No. Uh, I, 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 I again, there's a hope in me that he, but he doesn't show, but he hasn't shown me that. No.
0: Right. So who do you think assumes soon as he, Well, he's, he he showed
1: me he showed me he can play <laughs> out in the wing maybe. So do you? Think... But but you know. It,
0: so, Sorry. starting of the year, Brian Little's that second line center, right between Eilers and and Lainey. Is that what you project?
1: No, no. So, I don't want. I don't. I hate that line.
0: So, what do you? What do you?
1: So, that, they don't. They're They're not. They were no good together. So, I. I don't. No. You got. There has to be some movement there. I, I. I'd rather. What I hope for, Roddy, is that that uh, in in the preseason at least that Maurice tries some a bunch of different options. I did talk about this on Twitter with some people, but. um that, he, that he, he gives Lowry a chance with some uh, offensive guys. Mm-hmm. Like, he can go back to that. He can go back to his checking line anytime. Those guys are, are synced, right? He and Copp are going to get along well, and Tanner, they'll get along well. Um, go try him with some better players. So give him a shot at that second-line spot, and maybe move Connor around or move Liney up to the first line. Or do, there's, there's so many. I mean, I could sit here all day and make different – choices and layout lines. And people love doing that on Twitter, I know. And there's lots of good suggestions. But I, basically, I'd rather than get into who should be doing what and how, out lines, I think they should give Lowry a shot up. I think they should try as many combinations as they can. Within reason, you want to give guys enough time. You want to give them a full game at least to, to see what they can do together. Uh, and, and throw them out there and let them see if there's any cohesion at all. Uh, chemistry is such a big thing, and it, it's something that uh, you can't you can't predict. You can say this guy can should be able to be good with this guy because this guy's a shooter and this guy's a passer, but you never know until you've actually put the two people together. And you know that's what I would hope that uh, that that Maurice is going to look at uh, for for the exhibition season, and we'll see how that plays out. If it ends up little dealers and lining, I'm not very hopeful of that line. I just didn't see enough unless Ehlers and Liney somehow have rejuvenated themselves or you're right about the little bounce back Uh, I I, I believe in chemistry and I didn't see it last year I guess let's put it that way so would you so I'd rather see I'd rather see I'd rather see Roselvick tried there for sure I'd like to see him tried in the second line role I don't I'm just saying I don't think he's ready for it at this time he'll be there someday for sure
0: so that that gives me like there's there's we have a couple questions that, that, that some uh, some listeners have sent in and um, I've got one here that's pretty relatable to that is at Yuri Gelfat uh, asks uh, is Shifley centering Eilers in line a the answer and should it be the ultimate jet stop line.
1: I, I, I geez, I'd have to go through all the combinations, but it's but moving Wheeler down to pull somebody else along, sure. Uh, that's a good line. I don't know that it's the best line. Let me uh, let me just think about. I gotta sit and think about all these guys playing here because I've got uh, you've got uh, you've got guys that are. You know what? I, ideally, yes, of course. That that's your power line, but you're putting out you're putting a lot of eggs into one basket. But you are putting Wheeler down to where he can drag along. Uh, you know, maybe uh, some lesser players, or maybe they, maybe he just, well, maybe Lowry and Wheeler just take off, or Little and Wheeler, you know, li- brings Little back up to where uh, yeah. you know, he becomes more effective again, like you mentioned earlier. And that's that's so. There's a lot of good things there. I don't, I don't have a problem with that being the best line, the top line. And I, I just,
0: I think, I think the where Little in between Ehlers and Lainey suffers is the, is the fact that there isn't really the guy to drive the play on that line, right? So when you have Shifley in between them, you have Shifley driving the play and, you know, is is Little the guy that drives the play? And I don't think on that line, that top line for the first six years or whatever it was, Wheeler was definitely the guy that was driving driving the play and, and Little benefited from that. So, I don't know, that, that line, that type of lineup spreads it around a little bit more and has, you know, has more, um, I guess, uh, ways for for Little to be more... More successful in, in that type of role with, yeah. with Wheeler, but I guess uh,
1: who's going to get who, who's going to get the puck though? I got a question: who's going to who's going to go in and get the puck and cycle the puck and that uh, well with uh, line or with uh, right. Shifley, Ehlers, and Liney? <laughs> who I, I, that's what that's the part I, that's the part I have a problem with. And that because I because then you're you're just going all talent right, it, and and so that sometimes that doesn't work.
0: And 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 with that being said, is. It, it, do do Ehlers and linie have to be on the same line? Like,
1: no, yeah, no, absolutely not. And that that buddy stuff is fine, but you know what? I, I, there's no there's that 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 kind of thinking will if if Maurice gets into that kind of thinking, he's going to cause pro- himself problems, right? And I don't think he's married to that, anyways. Uh, I would hope not, anyway, right. because that that kind of thinking is. It, what I was getting at was like get different combinations together and definitely separate in the preseason liney and Ehlers and use some different things out there and see, there's a lot of talent there that uh, even some of the, some of the supplemental talent might be able to have g- really good chemistry and they might be able to come up with a top nine that nobody's really thought of a whole lot of. So,
0: so that being said,
1: we forgot about Matthew Perot, right? You know? I mean, we haven't even mentioned Perot. So who's, who's like the biggest play driver of everybody? absolutely. So,
0: so do we do we do we do we stick Matthew Perot and Mark Scheifele, and and Patrick yeah. Liney on the line? I love that line.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That I, that line I like a lot better than what Yuri mentioned. But I respect Yuri's question, mind you, and the line. But now we got a guy that actually is going to go get the puck yeah. and force the puck into the into the areas that are going to work for you, right? So, um, you got two smart guys and and a couple of gunners in behind them too. So you know when he gets you and he's a really good passer. So I could see that line lighting it up
0: so do you think Maurice has uh foresight to do and to experiment with line combinations like, like you're speaking of
1: well does he have the he has the foresight but is he I would assume he has the foresight <laughs> I don't think it's that difficult but uh, do I think he's gonna do it um, i'm ho- I'm just i'm I'm hoping I mean he ha- he has he makes some weird decisions no there's no doubt I mean he got the team to where it was though I give him credit for last year Uh, I'm not gonna and I was a critic of him for a year and a half before that Uh, and I for good reason uh, because I stand behind I could pull out stuff that they were all most of the things that I said were true but uh, and he still makes some decisions that I'm not really happy with but they worked last year uh, did they maximize the lineup? Is the question, right? right? And I think that's where we all end up. Did we max? Did we maximize the lineup? And I don't think that uh, he. I don't think he's maximized the lineup yet. Let me put it like that. So whether he has the fourth hut to, to try that in the, I, I I can't answer that question. We're gonna find out.
0: You know, good goaltending uh, covers up a lot too, right?
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Funny how that works, is not it? Yeah,
0: for sure. I have another question here. He,
1: he, you know what? Good, 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 coach. Good goaltending. Good coach. Absolutely. You know what? That, that, there's no, there's no doubt about it. The way that that's the way the league goes. But there's no, there's no sense. He did some, he did some good things too. I don't want to take anything away from it. So, um, they they're obviously the power play got rolling. Uh, and you know, you sure they have the, 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 the uh, players for it. But they went from what 28th to fifth or something right. Right? in a year. So, you know what? There was some coaching done last year. There was some coaching done in the summer. They actually went out and realized there was a penalty problem and brought Paul Dvorsky in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never saw those things. He seemed to be too, you know, the first year and a half that I was, I'm talking about there, uh, not, not his first year and a half, but the previous year and a half, I thought he was a little bit too uh, too methodical and, and he's just going to stick with what he thought he knew and wasn't doing any more than that where I thought they went outside the box last summer uh, and, and actually went into uh, and and started working and getting a little bit of a coach's toolbox going Mm -hmm. and uh, they're far from, from there yet, but the, you know, they, they certainly improved the power play, the penalty killing, you can argue a bit about the number of shots that are going on, but those two things are coach related to me, very coach related. So, uh, you know, the special teams. So you got to give them credit when you go from 28th to 5th and, they moved the penalty killing up too, although a lot of that, as you say, goaltending, goal-tending. nothing to do with that. Sure, it had a lot to do with it. They give up a ton of shots. So I'm still concerned about the penalty killing. But you know what? They moved it up. So the bottom line is that worked for the year. So I'm not one to sit and harp on that part of it. I got to give them a, a passing grade for sure overall. And But I, there's still a lot to be desired with this lineup. I think there's a lot to still be explored, and, and that's what I'm hopeful they're going to do. Okay.
0: So I've got another question here from uh, at CWR. It's game one for the playoffs and assuming everybody is healthy. Uh, what are your defensive pairings? According to you.
1: Okay. Uh, for next year, we're talking. Yeah. This year coming Truba. In. Yeah. Uh, Truba and Morrissey, obviously. Bufflin and Niku and uh kulakov and myers as it sits as we have, sit with the problem with the uh, not the problem i wasn't gonna call myers isn't the problem <laughs> but i'm wondering if, if he's gonna be uh, around i know he said he wants to sign here but he might become afraid but i have no problem throwing pullman into that group okay but uh that, that's the ideal group is that Niku. i think Niku hopefully is ready by that time and uh, I, I'm a believer in him. I know a lot of people are a believer in him. I, I think it's more than just being hopeful, right. too. Uh, but we won't know that until he actually gets out there and proves it. And I don't expect that he necessarily starts the year there. I think uh, the gentleman that did that, uh, I'm assuming a gentleman, maybe a lady that did that, um, or ask that question. Uh, assume that uh, it said the start of the playoffs, right? Yeah. And that's where that's why it's Niku, and that's why it's Niku and Bufflin. So. And Kulikov and Myers, or Kulikov if Myers is, let's say Myers was traded uh, for some help up front or something, then Myers and Pullman, or Kulikov and Pullman would be fine by me.
0: So, what do you think, Maurice would
1: would do? <laughs>
0: now we know. Oh, uh,
1: Truba and Morrissey is going to keep together. He's not there. He begged to not have Myers leave, uh, but so I think he, I think he's going to have uh, Morrow and Sharad in there somewhere. <laughs> right. One, one of those two, is what I think is going to happen.
0: And why do you think he? Why, why do you think he? That's that's his default. Like, why do you think? Is it is it a matter of trust he, and well, being loyal? A, is it loyalty?
1: Well, only big yeah i just think yeah i just think he's just a really loyal guy that's uh that uh loves veteran hockey players he'd rather take a chance he'd rather see somebody that he thinks has a lot more experience and he sees a game a certain way and it's not like maurice doesn't know what he's doing i mean Maurice sees the game he knows what's going on out there so the way he looks at it i'm saying that he i don't know that he's if it's even loyal he just looks at, uh, at a veteran guy that has more confidence in him, I think, than a than a younger player. It depends on what Niku does, though. Of course, up to that point. Right. But it could be very because there's so many guys back there. It's tough to see Niku starting the year unless he does something extraordinary. Right. It's going to take injuries. It's going to take, There's going to be a lot of things that are going to happen in between here. And uh, I think I just think if they were all available uh, and, and Niku hadn't really set himself up. Is a particular thing. I think you're looking at Sherrod or Morrow in there, and I really don't know one over the other one. I, you know, those two guys are just, you know, <laughs> uh, seventh defensemen. So, no. So you're going to have one of them in there. You're going to have one of them in there probably. So that that'd be my answer.
0: Awesome. So, moving forward, like that's I, I want to. I, I skipped over like a really big part, uh, especially with your your concern the the classic last year and um your chance to to come to winnipeg as part of the alumni what did that mean to you and and how was that experience for you
1: it was excellent uh, it was a ton of fun i got to do got to see uh, so many of my old teammates that i hadn't seen or con- had contact with for so long the fun the nice thing about that is that you're you know it's like once you start talking and, and the initial hey how you doing's are out of the way and you start chatting away it's like you were in the dressing room yesterday so that 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 camaraderie is stays forever uh, which i you know you don't you never really think about that until you actually get to experience it that, that and so i do that mark chipman put on a tremendous show uh, for us i mean he treated us like gold had had us everywhere everywhere we went we were taken care of. People were feeding us, uh, asking us what we wanted to drink. Uh, what, here's, what, what can we do for you? It didn't matter where we went. It was, it, I mean, the volunteers included and, and a bunch of the True North employees, which took care of us. I need to say that, you know, give that tip of the hat to everybody there. I mean, it was Mark Chipman's uh, show, but uh, it, was, uh, it was his employees that, uh, and, and the volunteers that really took care of us throughout that and of course, and then I got to meet a bunch of Twitter people too. So it couldn't have been a better trip. I mean, we had that night at the pint to start with. Uh, it didn't turn out, some people missed out on it because of uh, it got a little too big from where we started. But we were able to get back together, a bunch of us on the Monday night again and had another great night of, of chatting and getting to see everybody face to face. I couldn't have asked for a better trip. I, I haven't had a better trip you know, for uh, at that point hadn't had for a long, long time, so... Uh, I will 100 percent
0: on it. It's funny because as 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 big of the, as as the stars that there, there were you know, uh, as alumni there, you were you were kind of the rock star of the group for Twitter, <laughs> to to be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
1: because I I was the only one on.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but you know, but uh,
0: AJ asked a question here. Uh, he asked, um, "What was it like meeting up?" And who are you still? Who do you still keep contact with? from the alumni that you played with?
1: Um, well, the last, uh, I can tell you, I sent a picture out to three guys last night of the old Houston Arrows thing that played for Winnipeg. Uh, Rich Preston, Morris Lukowicz, and Terry Ruskowski. who, and I got a response back from all of them because it was a picture of those guys. It was the year before I got there and they were wearing these horrible <laughs> Uh And... and, and uh, but they reminded them of the good old days, so they all had their little things to say back. And then uh, Kimmy Claxon, I, I I talk a lot with him uh, over the last uh, couple of years, uh, be, even before the uh, the Winter Classic too. So um, it, I haven't talked to Rich a lot. It was the first time I had, had, had contact with him for a while. But Luke and I had been uh, had been conversing for quite a while too, right. uh, and Roscoe too with his uh, with uh, he, while he was coaching. I caught him on a number of occasions there before the the. the, the uh, Heritage Classic yeah. there. So uh Klocker's the guy though that keeps in contact. because he, he likes to show off when he's doing his big deep sea fishing and stuff in Florida when I'm working. Yeah. So I get these uh, FaceTime messages like throws so. <laughs> I,
0: I was impressed I yeah. was impressed with Lukovich. That 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 guy looks like he can still suit it up and like you know, he's he, oh, yeah, he hasn't aged at all to me, like, you know, from from what I remember. But uh he look he looks
1: I know he pissed him hey. me off. That's, I don't want to piss me right off when I saw him. And I know he could still skate the same way. He could fly back then. I'm sure he could
0: fly he, now. You, I, I would say he even looks more fit than he did in, in the 80s. But, you know, <laughs> he, he, <laughs> well, he looked pretty good. But um, uh, Oli, Oli Backstrom had a, had a question here, too. Um, he, asks, uh, he He recalls how smoky the old arena would get during games. Uh, worse as a as the game wore on, did 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 the smoke inside the building affect you as be- a asthmatic, or was that something? that...
1: No, that's a great question, has Ro- got that's a great question from Oli, and I, I love chatting with him on Twitter. But I I, I no I uh, I actually I didn't remember that being part of it. Uh, I I not when I was playing. Now I remember going up the stairs though when I was hurt and going to the press box and going jeez. <laughs> Holy crap! Uh, so you know maybe it did affect me. I, I don't want to say no. I I, I just I, I just didn't notice it on the ice per se. So I did certainly noticed it. Go walking to the press box so, <laughs> and sitting up there going, with, the, with the smoke rising. You're going. Uh, it, it was one of those ones that I, I never really put the two and two together because it was more and uh, it was more extra. It was exercise induced. So it at, at, in a sense, but it was also only when it was matched with deep cold. So, but I'm sure smoke, you know, because I wasn't putting smoke in my lungs then. It was one of those things that wasn't. So, I, you know, it, it's a good question. I, it, it may well have, but I didn't, I didn't ever attribute it to it, no. Right.
0: Um, I have a couple things pressing, like, with with the Jets right now. Um, first one is, what do you think is going to happen with Jacob, Jacob Truba?
1: How's that? I don't know. <laughs> he's my, uh, he's my, he's, uh, you know, he, he's one of my, you know, he's one of my favorite players. I, you know, I, you know, it's one of those guys. He's one of those guys that I thought at the start of the, when he first came in the league, I was whispering, you know, this guy's got the tools to maybe someday be a Norris trophy candidate. And, um, you know, he saw him get hurt and then we saw him come back and now we're seeing him into a little bit different role than i thought he was going to be thought he maybe be a little more offensive when he had that he because that first year that he came in, he was rushing almost every shift jumping into the yeah. rush um you know they, they they put a harness on him which was understandable but um, anyway that the question you asked is it's a tough one because i believe that the you know I, I have a tough time believing rumors i don't believe rumors but when you when you see there's enough sometimes there's enough smoke you know you're the Maybe there's going to be a fire. And, and so I really don't know. I want to believe he's going to be here. Uh, I think, though, that Chevy is well tuned into this. I don't think there's any doubt in his mind what's going to happen. He knows he's the guy that negotiated. He knows how hard they came at him. So if he's going to be uh, – he's the guy that needs to play, make the play on this. If if, if if Truba isn't going to be signing long-term, they they're going to have to consider – uh, you know, trading him obviously is gonna because what you're gonna lose them in another year, two years. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those ones. It's a trade that I don't see the Jets winning, but uh, it might become necessary. I just don't see how they get the full value back
0: on right. it. Right. And the big question in du jour is 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 what do you think about the Blake Wheeler deal?
1: I'm not. Uh, in- you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with it because it's, I mean, it's done. And it's a, you got your captain, you got the leader of the dressing room. Uh, you got the leader of the hockey club, really. Uh, I, I mean, he'll it, have as effect as the coach does. Uh, play. So I, I'm concerned about years, you know, four and five. I maybe even might even be a little bit earlier. I mean, he's going to have to historically, with history that we know, uh-huh. He's going to have to beat the odds. it's pretty clear. he has going to have to be a guy that beats the odds that tell you that he's, he's going to drop and maybe drop significantly over the next few years and he's got five more years well he's got six more years now that brings him into So there's some very definite worry that the, the people that do that are the, the people that have said that I, I get that I mean I'm there. Mm-hmm. however if the guess if there's going to be a guy like you they, they complain that you know they talk about joe thornton I, I laugh at it because they only that's the only guy they talk about you know there's a whole bunch of guys are like patty marlowe maybe but the rest of them are guys that dropped off a cliff mm-hmm. so but blake wheeler would be one of those guys that i believe is like a marlowe or if there's going to be one out there wheeler's as good as any bet as far i guess i'll put it that right. way so i've got i've got concern about it uh, I, I I understand why they did it but uh, I would have preferred three years uh, that would have been my my number on it but you know what the captain's got his money and uh, uh, you, you know what are we gonna do about it now
0: and to, to me the signing the signing looks better if Brian little wasn't committed to last year right <laughs> that's that's so, uh, oh
1: that's uh, I yeah yeah I, I, I don't want to start harping on him anymore but you're getting one of my favorite guys and I'm sitting here hacking the crap out of him for most of the episode but yeah little's contract hurts a lot it's gonna it's i mean if it unless it makes this remarkable recovery that you're we're hoping for um that that's going to be one that that, hopefully they can you know it may take another deal like they had to do with mason though by the time this thing winds down so to get rid of you know having to give up somebody to get rid of him if it uh, if he doesn't turn it around so big question a lot of money
0: big question final question for you because uh we've had a good chat here and it's uh it's coming on an hour here, or <laughs> hour and twenty now. Uh, uh, yeah, I was going to correct. You. <laughs> Go where, where, where did the Jets finish this year?
1: Overall, uh, they finish uh, third.
0: Third in the league.
1: Third in the league. Okay.
0: They win the Central.
1: Um, I think there's yes, they win the Central. Okay. Uh, they're going to be, they're going to be tied with Nashville for the set-top. So.
0: Awesome. <laughs> this is a, this was awesome, uh, Scotty. And, you know, hopefully we could have you on regularly. Um, you know, just shooting, shooting, um, shooting some ball here. <laughs> it's, uh, it's all right.
1: It's all awesome. Well, a again. lot of it's not. You're
0: right. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, you know, me, you know, we've, we've known each other for a few years now and, you know, um. The connection's been there from the beginning, and you know, you know, you're you're one of the the guys that I respect the most out on Twitter and and in real life, right? So um, I want to thank you for coming on, and uh, you know, you you promise you'll come back on and again, maybe a regular thing, Scott.
1: Well, I don't know about, I don't know what regular means, but I'll come back again. Let's put it that way for tonight. <laughs> right, that's an hour and 20 minutes. You got you told me 30 minutes,
0: <laughs> you, it, you, you know, it just flowed naturally, Scott. What can I say?
1: But, um, yeah, <laughs> okay, uh, Radal, you know, I have the utmost uh, respect for you, and uh, I mean, your work with the Bruce Oak Foundation and what you've gone through as a family and your terrible loss. I have the utmost respect for you, and not only I've always had it for you, but uh. My heart goes out to you and your family too. I just wanted to mention that before we go oh, off. Thanks, Scott.
0: Thanks, Scott. It's been tough, but you know we've got a lot of love around us, and you know we've got a lot of support from the, from you know, not only our family and friends, but everybody out there on uh, on Twitter and, and
1: uh, you know. Excellent. Yeah, I, I love it. I love seeing it all. I love seeing it all. You deserve it. Awesome.
0: And next time, next time we talk.
1: Anyway, thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate. I do appreciate you having me, even though you fibbed a little bit about the All good it's all good, right? Okay.
0: Thanks, Scott. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. Take care.